Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Colleen Meyer with Meyer and Mintz LLC bringing you Fearless and Pink. And today we have a wonderful, interesting, amazing guest, Helena Lucia. And she is the founder and host of the amazing podcast, Sisu. Sisu Journey. Sisu Journey. So tell us what Sisu Journey is and how you came up with that name. I'm very interested. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. First, I'm honored to be here. Um, Yes. So Sisu is a Finnish word. It's a mindset word. My mom's from Finland. My DNA is 97% Finnish when I got it done on 23andMe. So I'm Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty much a thoroughbred. Um, And I, um, I've always loved the word Sisu. Sisu means resilience in the face of extreme adversity. You know, it's, it's, it, it, they, they say it's like, not, doesn't have a direct translation in English, but it's really the, it encapsulates kind of an energy of tenacity mm-hmm. and resilience and strength and courage and, and all of that in one. So Sisu journey, um, became the name of my business, my coaching business and my speaking and my podcast, because I feel like we're all kind of on some point of this resilience journey. And that's kind of what I want to highlight in the stories and the science that we talk about. I love that. And I think that's powerful. I think that speaks to now what's going on in the world now coming out of COVID when did you get interested and take, you know, creating this podcast and creating this coaching business? Was there one distinct moment where you said, you know, this is something I want to do, or was it something that happened over time? You know, I would say both. Um, you know, I spent about 15 to 20 years working through therapy to deal with, um, you know, the sexual, emotional, psychological, and spiritual trauma that I went through in childhood. I was the sixth of 10 children. I was born and raised in a fundamentalist religious cult. And I just had a lot of abuse and trauma and shame to unravel and work on in therapy. So I spent, you know, a good chunk of my life working through it in therapy with this idea that like, at some point I would have arrived. And It was about 2019 when I realized that I am just like much sicker than I still should be after all this work, working on my conscious mind, working. And I had an excellent therapist and she did some EMDR and we, we did a lot of trauma work together, but I just felt like there was some, maybe some pieces missing. And so I went on this quest. I decided 2020 was going to be the year of the health. I put my flag in the sand. I tried everything. So it was the first time in my life where I had the financial means to try to start throwing money at the problem. So I, I hired a psychedelic coach. I did, um, some intense plant medicine journeys. I hired a functional medicine person to deal with the physical body. I hired hypnotherapy to deal with the subconscious. I just started finding coaches and mentors and kind of opening up to the universe to provide me support I needed. And then as an engineer, I started figuring out why, what was working for me now and what hadn't worked in the past, what was missing. And that's when kind of my coaching practice started being built out of that 
um, realizing that if I had known about the nervous system, if I had known about the subconscious, if I had known about energetics and then had those support pieces in place much earlier, that my whole story would have been so different. And that's where the Sisu Journey podcast and the and Sisu Journey, the business came, were born from. You know, it's amazing to hear your story. You know, it's, it's um, for you to say, I'm going to find a way to, you know, deal with these things through my body, through, you know, my subconscious, through, you know, my spiritual being. I think that's amazing because a lot of people, I think, don't, if they even bother going get therapy, they don't take it to all those different levels of your being so that you can be overall healthy. Mm -hmm. That is so important. Yeah. And I do also think that there are a, a group of people, maybe that might be resistant to that, but another group of people who just don't know what those tools are. Right. And then as I was watching 2020, you know, kind of implode on itself and develop this mental health crisis that we're in right now. And I was like, gosh, we need to get ready to, you know, to, to support these people, our, our healthcare system, our current, you know, medical system, all of the things that are available are really not prepared. And so that was kind of, it was a, that mm-hmm. sense of urgency that really kind of lit a fire under me. And then the podcast itself was a little bit of a different story. It sounds like maybe a similar to the story of the origin story of fearless and pink mm-hmm. in that I recognize that we have this curse of separateness in our, in our society. And so at the pandemic was going on, people are lonely and we, what really unites us is that we're not alone in our story. None of our narratives are unique. You know, we've all learned things. We've developed things. Um, indigenous culture has done this for, for thousands of years and sharing stories through, you know, during, during tradition and wisdom through story but we don't really do a very good job of it in our culture. And so science and stories of resilience were really kind of like, if people are struggling, if people are alone in their, you know, eating disorder or mental health issues or, you know, um, gender dysphoria or whatever they're struggling with, you know, someone else can share a story of what, how they, what they used when they went through that, what their, you know, turning points were, what those special moments were and really kind of support and build each other up. In fact, I just spoke with a young lady right before this call, and she shared the story of having to be a caretaker for her dad at the age of 18 and to start parenting a parent effectively and what that long drawn out grief process was like. And as I was listening to her tell her story, I was just amazed by the thought of how many other people will hear her story and be able to kind of understand that those thoughts that they had during the grief, you know, weren't weird at all, or that their experience is not, you know, is not just one, but it's one of many. I think that I I agree with you coming into 2020 and this pandemic, we were not ready for this. You know, we weren't prepared. And I do, I can, you know, my mother who's 85 years old, you know, we, 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 she can't have a bunch of visitors. She's very social. And that whole thing, like you were talking about of loneliness and out of that loneliness comes um, 
you know, starts to be create mental, me- mental health issues. And then it Absolutely. becomes a spiraling down out of control. Mm-hmm. And plus all these other things that are happening. But, but I think you tell me what you think. I think that mental health, people are starting to embrace um, that it's okay to Absolutely. Seek, seek help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our young generation is doing a really great job making that, you know, bringing that to the forefront. I'd love to see some more movement in the direction of not pathologizing all of these things that are natural responses to trauma, Mm -hmm. but actually supporting people to heal instead of giving them, you know, a label, um, but actually supporting them to start healing their trauma, healing their nervous system healing their subconscious, healing their psyche, their mind, you know, mind, body, soul, spirit, and get, getting that trauma out of their body so that they can flourish and thrive. Now, um, what is your typical customer that comes to you with, uh, as a coach, is it somebody who's been through, you know, multiple traumas, single, tra- I'm not discounting, you know, a mm-hmm. single trauma. Cause you know, um, they can be horrific, but what are you, what are you seeing overall of people coming to you and asking for you to help them through that, that time in their life? That's a struggle. Yeah. I, I, so most people that I tend to see have been people who have tried a few things, Mm -hmm. been to a few therapists, they've been to, you know, they've tried some things, they've taken some courses, And they just haven't been finding kind of the relief they've had. Most of people that I see are empaths Mm -hmm. and empaths are really um, interesting and unique type of person because they've learned to kind of throw their energy around to make sure that everybody in the home is okay and all of their fans. And so really helping them focus on learning how to collect their energetics and make sure that they're not taking on other people's pain and trauma, learning how to set really good boundaries. And so, I mean, I, I don't, I do think it's, you know, I'm open to seeing all genders, Mm -hmm. all, you know, all types of people, but for the most part, um, it's people that are, you know, at least about 35 ish, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, and have, and have just tried a few things and done, you know, done their best. Um, you know, people are really struggling. People are struggling in a cycle of like, you know, alcohol use or, um, using other things to regulate their nervous system. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the type of person that, um, that I see is this someone who's, who, who is, is really, um, in feeling stuck, mm-hmm. but has like limitless potential, you know, and, and just needs a few t- tweaks to help support them to just live this, you know, abundant, beautiful life. You know, what you, what you said to me right now makes sense because I think a lot of people self-medicate, you know, mm-hmm. with, with either drugs or alcohol. And I feel, I feel bad because it seems to me that they're making the cycle, the cycle worse, but I don't think they know how to get out of this cycle. You know, it's round and around and around. Well, a really interesting thing um, is that we are actually, you know, using the alcohol mm-hmm. or other drugs. Alcohol is a very powerful drug. I feel like we've socially accepted maybe the long, wrong drugs for our nervous system in this culture, but 
Um, yeah, alcohol is a, is a very, very hard on your nervous system. And so we've been taught, we've been socialized to use alcohol, to regulate our nervous system, to use it, to relax, to use it, to sleep, to do all of these things. And then when we go through trauma, like the last year and a half in the pandemic, it's a very, very natural response. Their mind is doing exactly what it should be by creating this nostalgic relationship with alcohol and really cementing that into the brain. And so that's one thing that I really want to point out is that there's no shame in getting stuck in this pattern because your brain is working exactly like it's supposed to. It's responding to alcohol exactly as it should. And removing that, um, that pattern is easier than you think. It, it, it's there, it's more, and, and, and there's, it's, it, it's exactly what you were told to do. You're doing what you were told to do Mm -hmm. and now you get stuck. And so we have this thing where it's like, oh, you should drink a lot until it's bad. And, and you have to figure out where that line is. And that's not, that's not possible when people are going through trauma. You know what else? I think too, what people used to self-medicate trauma is food. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I don't focus on initially. And I'll tell you why I really focus on self-compassion and really nurturing the self. And in our, in our culture, we have such a strong emphasis toward diet culture and toward, um, towards extremes that I really focus on giving your body everything that it wants when you're bringing, while you're bringing your nervous system to safety, once your nervous system is safety, then is in safety, then it's okay to start talking about nutrition and things like that in a healthy context. If you understand the person, but I, what we never focus on weight loss, we never were, we're all about intuitive eating against, you know, the diet culture mentality and things like that. But yeah, definitely there's a time for nutrition, but it's not when your body is running from a lion. Mm. It's only, it's once you've been brought to safety, then you can talk about really starting to give some of those nurturing foods that are going to give you the maximum for your, for yourself and to understand how that cycle of eating maybe isn't serving you. But yeah, I, I really, um, that is one, one direction that we, we don't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my daughter is the same way. She, uh, she wrote her master's thesis on weight loss and, um, you know, fat shaming and diet shaming mm-hmm. and all of these things. So she, amazing. She, yeah, she's right there with you on that. Now, let's talk about when you first started this journey mm-hmm. into being a coach and starting your podcast. If you could go back, what would you do differently? I would set lower expectations on myself. I, you know, I have a tendency to like create really rigid deadlines and really, um, you know, unrealistic goals and then start to feel the self-imposed pressure of those Mm -hmm. and recognizing that the work I'm doing, it's so important that I continue to keep space and continue to have this like expansive feeling. Um, you know, I, I have been forcing that space into my business, into my life. Um, but I, I do recognize that I didn't initially leave enough space in there to, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll, you know, two weeks to start a podcast. And then, you know, 
<laughs> and that just wasn't, didn't end up being, being feasible and realistic. And it didn't end up being even, even, you know, good. Like you want it, you want it to, it needs to be born. It's like, a, it's like having a baby, a baby mm-hmm. needs nine months. Nobody gets to say, okay, well, we're going to put, you know, nine women in a room, each one gets to be pregnant for a month and then we're going to have a baby, right? You have to have the whole nine months. Yeah. And in order to, to, uh, create the plan, the launch and, and you know what I find about business is even if you have the, you know, the time and you have your, your SWOT analysis and you, you have all this stuff that you've done to get your business from point of paint, point B, there's always going to be some kind of road rabbit trail that takes you off somewhere or you have to readjust mm-hmm. and, and pivot just like we had to do with COVID. Right. Yeah. And it's meant to be that way too, because we're dynamic people and our journey is circuitous and it has a lot of, you know, ups and downs and, and a business is an entity just like that and needs space to breathe and to develop and for magic to happen and for, you know, all these opportunities and and you can't make space for that when you're just filling your day with, you know, tasks. That's so true. And you have to make room for mental health to unwind. And I think that's part of my problem is sometimes, you know, I'll work seven days and, but there's no downtime. So I really, even if I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to work, I'm going to read, but I'm going to read something that has to do with work. Right. So, you know, it's a really, it's not really downtime for your mental health. Yeah. Being able to disconnect is really, really important. And for me being, having a morning ritual that takes precedence over my daytime activities, choosing the top three things that I need to do that day that are aligned with my, you know, my identity. I do, I, I use identity-based goal setting with my clients. So we really set an identity instead of moving toward like process goals, we set an identity and we, and we, um, and we move toward that. And so, um, so the, the other thing that I've been working with a coach who does, um, cyclical things. And so work with, um, she works with folks to get their business on a cycle, either, um, if they are, you know, a woman, um, that or person that's menstruating um, on that cycle or on the moon cycle, because everyone cycles. And so there has to be these times of waxing and waning in your business as well. And, and to, to be able to move with that creates a lot more space. I think that's interesting because businesses do do that. They wax and they wane, they grow and they, they, you know, slow it's, it's, and I think people don't understand that and expect, and businesses have seasons, Mm -hmm. right? So you know, you have your first quarter. I work for a company where our first quarter or the fourth quarter of the year and the first quarter of the year were the same flat. But as Mm -hmm. we went, as we go in through the second quarter into the summer, it picks up just based Mm -hmm. on the industry trends, based on the industry flows. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's all of these things. And I remember talking to a business owner and he says, well, you know, I want it here. I want it here. So I told him we need to look at growth year over year because the right. cycle, it's not the same cycle as you're moving through mm-hmm. the calendar year. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
when, when someone comes to you for coaching, uh, what do you feel is the toughest hurdle for, I know it's going to be different with everybody, but is there one little hurdle that you say, you know, this is the one that we always get that block and then we have to work over. Is there one like that with your clients? I would say connecting with our bodies. We go through life so disconnected these days that being able to actually connect into the emotional body, the felt sense of the body is really can be a real challenge. And so in getting through that, you know, we use tools like grounding and meditation and all of that. But one of the things that I encourage my, um, my clients to do in moving past that is the actual portal to connecting with your body is your dreams. Your subconscious brings the, that felt sense smack into your face, mm-hmm. in the, you know, right there in the morning. So if you can connect, if you can stay in that space and record that dream and I can do dream work with a client and then we can actually get right into the nitty gritty of whatever their subconscious is trying to process through. And that's where I've seen some of the, that's where I think the, the most challenging pieces, but that's where I've seen some of the most amazing shifts is in mm-hmm. that, in that connecting, um, in the, doing the dream work to connect the felt sense of the body into, um, into the, the whatever their subconscious is trying to work through and connecting those two together. And we can do that with recurring dreams and you can do that with even a remembered part. But if I help them to create a practice of recording their dreams, staying in the energy of that moment, it becomes even more potent and powerful. I have a, I have a a friend of mine that always recommends that we write down our, our dreams because isn't it um, Sigmund Freud, he called it an id. I think he, I think he called it an id, and which is your subconscious. And your, your subconscious, now I'm going to paraphrase his theories. Um, you know, like you were saying, it's trying to, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. back there. Well, we don't see. And, it, and mm-hmm. it's going to manifest itself, dreams, right. mm-hmm. you know, whatever, that, how right. it manifests itself. Yeah. And a lot of times people want to process it through as like, what did it, what was that? What did that dream mean for other people? In other words, like, oh, well, I'm going to look up on the internet to find out what a yellow tree symbolizes. Right. Right. But what I've found is that going into the felt sense, going into that little tiny moment where you had the strongest emotion in that dream, going into those characters that were in the dream, who was around you, um, what, what environment you were in, how do you know where you were, all of that stuff. Those are actually the keys to figuring out what that dream means for you. Not necessarily what it means for the larger, you know, Google verse, but what does it mean for you? That's exactly right. I think um, you people ask a lot of questions of others instead of asking a lot of questions to themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you have your clients and your customers, you have them journal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I use, um, have you heard of a morning page, the morning pages? So Julia Cameron, she wrote the book, the artist's way, and she coined this phrase morning pages. And basically what that is, is she suggests you get up, you write three pages of just whatever is on your mind. No one's supposed to ever read it. It's supposed to be completely unedited. And I consider it kind of as like clearing the clutter of your mind. And you never know what's going to come out in that morning page. 
And so I, I do encourage my clients to start out with one page just because I am really in the business of setting very small incremental changes that, you know, like that, um, expand over time. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, start out something easy, meditate for a minute, right. You know, do a morning page, do your dream journal. And so, yeah, I, I definitely encourage them to do that journaling and then any type of gratitude practice at night, but yes, journaling is, is definitely encouraged and it doesn't have to be written journaling. It could be written. It could be on a Google doc. It could be on a voice recorder. It could be drawing, right? So for people who are creative and have a lot of energy that way, it could be drawing, painting, that could be journaling. They could express themselves that way. So I really um, also am against a one size fits all model. And so that what I do try to do practice of is saying, Hey, do you, if you would like to, you can read this book, but this author also has an interview on YouTube. If you'd prefer to watch an interview of this YouTube, they basically you know, have a synopsis of the, of the whole book for you. And so to use those different learning styles, those different ways of accessing and, and, and leveraging information to create your own practice of resilience, not my practice, not mm-hmm. Colleen's practice, but your practice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that is, I love that. I love that, love, love that because people can come to you and move at their own pace. Mm-hmm. And that's important. I had a daughter that went to therapy. She still goes to therapy. Um, I think it's healthy. I think it's, um, you work through things um, with a therapist, a coach, you know, a, you know, as long as you get out there and you, Take the time to take those steps. Find the right person. I think a lot of people, you would be the right person because you individualize it. You've been there. You understand what they're going through. Uh, You know what you're talking about. And you have a whole system set up. And I think these are good things for people that are going through, Mm -hmm. you know, either mental health or trauma. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to be clear, a lot of my clients continue to do trauma therapy with a therapist. Like Mm. I don't dig into these past traumas. That's not in my purview. I'm very trauma informed, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the future and then what limiting beliefs and things like that come up, we clear those. So in the Mm. end, and we do do EFT and we'll go into traumas. I'm not at all afraid of going into traumas. A lot of coaches are, but I also recognize that I don't do EMDR. I, I don't, you know, process through trauma with someone per se, but this is more of like an adjunct. This will actually help accelerate your work in therapy, because this is how you turn that work into a practice, into a Mm. resilience practice that helps you be able to bend with whatever happens in your life. I love that. I do. I love that. So let's say somebody's listening or somebody's watching and they say, I have to get a hold of her. How can they do that? Yeah. So I'm available through sisujourney.com. It's S-I-S-U-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. And at sisujourney.com, I'm setting, I'm, um, I'm doing an identity-based goals masterclass at the end of August 23rd through 27th. So they can Mm -hmm. sign up for that or they can sign up for a free chemistry call and we'll just chat. I'll see where they're, they are. And if I really think, 
you know, one of the other coaches that I work with would be a better fit for whatever they're working on um, in their life. I will refer them out or I will, you know, we'll talk about how we can work together. So very, um, very open to just chatting about any of the topics that we've talked today. You know, and I'll make sure that we put all your information on the YouTube channel and on our podcast and on our Facebook. All right. Thank you you for coming on Fearless in Pink. And we appreciate you coming and speaking to us. Thank you for having me.